podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, a slightly nervy Johnny Burrow, because the Europa League final between Arsenal and Chelsea has just kicked off. And of course, the guys from West Ham World, it's James Jones and Danny Lewis for all of West Ham's transfer latest. We spoke a lot last week about a potential move for Salomon Rondon, but those links seem to have gone a bit quiet. Yeah, it's a little bit strange, isn't it? Um... I was under the impression that we that we were going to sign him and he was going to be ours within a couple of weeks and West Ham fans were going to moan that we'd not shown enough ambition by signing a 29-year-old player that finished below us for for Newcastle. But it's gone quiet and, you know, as you just said off air, Johnny, perhaps it's something to do with the takeover talk at, at Newcastle and maybe they'll they'll sign him. Um, I don't, no one really knows. Danny, I don't know, don't know what you think about it. Yeah, well, I personally would have really liked to have seen him uh, come to West Ham. I've been a big fan of him for a while. Um, you know, his hold-up play is really good. You know, you see the link-up that he's had with Iosi Perez and you think, you know, maybe with a Felipe Anderson or a Lanzini, he could have replicated that at West Ham. So to see it going a bit quiet is a little bit disappointing, I'd say. Very disappointing. Sorry, I just threw my arms up in the air because Arsenal already looking a little bit wobbly at the back in this Europa League final, this all-English Europa League final in Baku between Arsenal and Chelsea. A couple of consecutive missed kicks. You just think, fine, do that when it's going out of play, not when Olivier Giroud is running in behind. Thank you very much. It's interesting that this Rondon transfer deal has gone quiet around this takeover. Do you think that implies that this Newcastle takeover, which is supposedly by the half-brother of the Manchester City owner, could happen? And presumably people are just thinking, well, 16.5 mil, that release clause, to them that is just small change, so why wouldn't they? Yeah, potentially. I think no one really knows what's going on with this takeover uh, at Newcastle. You know, I've, I've heard that the, guy, that the guy that's supposedly at the centre of it is the guy that couldn't prove uh, that he could afford Liverpool when he tried buying Liverpool. Spot on. Um, so if you can't afford to buy Liverpool, what makes you think you can afford to buy? Well, the the uh, that's not necessarily the case because the scales of magnitude in terms of what they're offering are so different. The Liverpool takeover yeah. bid was a reported two billion pounds with seven hundred and fifty mil coming from a Chinese conglomerate. We're talking about closer to three hundred and fifty for Newcastle. It's weird that we're now in the position of talking about three hundred and fifty million quid as something you've got behind the back of the sofa. But actually, even if he's got half of what he was claiming to have when he tried to take over Liverpool, supposedly this should be quite doable for him. I mean, it should be, but you know, if I, fair play if it happens, for Newcastle fans must be must be pretty excited. Would but you take it at West Ham? I'd take a takeover um, and anything to to get rid of um, the ownership that we've got. I think they've taken as far as they can in terms of ambition and. You're and, not bothered and, and about financial. having English owners. No, it doesn't really bother me. I think you know, in 2019, and the way football is, you know, you can't you can't pick and choose who your owners are. Um, I think West Ham fans would like to given what's what's happened over the last few years and, and everything else. But 
with the Newcastle guy, you know, if he if he does buy them, you know, fair play. But I'd be a little bit worried um, if I were a Newcastle fan. I, I don't know about you, Danny, but I I just feel that given the rules of financial fair play, and we've seen the problems City have got under their new owner. Um, like financial fair play came in after they were bought out, obviously, but they're now hitting problems. Okay, they won the domestic treble, but you know it could come at a price. Yeah, and with the point on English owners, it's like, you know, the main benefit of that is that they're meant to really care about the club and all that sort of thing, but which obviously translates into funds. But before last season, you could easily say, you know, you wouldn't really think that they'd put that much into the club. So they hadn't really reached their maximum, which is mm. what you think of when you think of English owners. Being invested, passionate, caring perhaps more about the club on an mm. emotional level than a foreign owner might. Talking of English clubs too, of course, in action in the Europa League final tonight. And we've just seen our first glimpse of Aiden Hazard, who picked the ball up to feet wide on the left and did a little jinking run only into the left-hand corner of the pitch. But he beat a couple of Arsenal players while going nowhere and then laid it off rather casually as if to say, listen, wasn't running at your goal this time but just watch it in terms of West Ham's owners not investing as ma- as much as they perhaps could do we've seen evidence of that this week <laughs> if rumours are to be believed Andre Gomez his hot property he's excelled on loan at Everton from West Ham this season there's now interest from across the Premier League Newcastle are being linked because he's a footballer uh, West Ham are being linked Everton interested and Spurs as well we're hearing reports that West Ham offered 18 million quid. Now, that is just over half of the reported Barcelona asking price. And, of course, we're hearing that Barcelona rejected that bid rather unsurprisingly. Is it frustrating to see your club not seem to really take asking prices seriously? Yes. Um, we, we've seen this before. Uh, the whole Snodgrass thing after Pat Lacazette. left. Lacazette. Lacazette. Um, you know... The whole Lacazette thing was different because they publicly he came out and said, we've got 40 million quid to spend, but we'll give you 20 million quid for Lacazette. And obviously Leon went, you know, you know where the door is. Uh, the whole Snodgrass thing, you know, Hull went, we want 10 million, we went, we'll give you two and a half. And then two weeks later, we've signed for 10 million. You know, it was, it, it's typical Sullivan for, for me. Um, it's typical West Ham just trying to get a bargain where there isn't a bargain to be had. Uh, he's trying to save a few pound notes and it's not going to happen in today's market. You, you don't do that. It's weird, this idea it's, of it, bartering full stop. It's as if they think they're at some kind of Turkish market. But the same thing happened with uh, with uh, Philippe Anderson at Lazio la- last year where we were trying to get him on the cheap um, and it, after about a month of trying to get him on the cheap, we realised, no, we're going to have to spend 45 million quid on him. And but at we, least in did. that instance, they did, exactly. Yeah, but we so. haven't got 45 million quid this summer. <laughs> so it, it, it's frustrating because um, I'd, I'd really like to see Andre Gomez in a West Ham shirt because I think he's a wonderful player. Do you reckon the owners do this in real life? Do you reckon they walk into an electronic shop looking for a new telly and go, how much is that big one on the wall? They go, 400 quid. I'll give you 200 for it. No. You'd imagine so. You just don't <laughs> get the telly. They probably even do try it there, to be honest, the way that they've gone about it. Yeah, I mean... David Sullivan, he's got he's got previous. It doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he went in and went, we'll give you 18 and a half. Um, <laughs> but the flip side of this coin, James, is that you clearly do have owners who are being financially responsible, who are trying to run the club within their means to the best of their ability, and that shouldn't be disregarded. No, I think, 
I think on that front, and you're right, Johnny, actually, I think that the owners deserve credit for, for buying the club when they did. Uh, and I'll always, you know, be thankful for, for to them for buying the club oh, when they did. Sorry, James. Arsenal have just missed a golden chance. Aubameyang, who is a man who you'd really back, had the net gaping from inside the box and just couldn't capitalise. Yeah, on as a, you know, as I was saying, um, you know, I'll, I'll always be thankful to them for for buying us when they did, and they even admitted, you know, they were stupid to have bought the club at, at the time they did. We were a hundred million pound in debt. Uh, and had a, a huge wage bill, and they came over and turned it around. Okay, it's one you know they've had to do a lot of bad things, and you know they've done a lot of questionable things in the process. But um, we're now debt free. We're led to believe we're close to being debt free. Um, what sort of over a decade down the line? So you know they have done some good financially, but then when you see th- stories like this, where we know we need to improve our squad. And um, we know we need to invest in today's transfer market, which is highly inflated. And they're throwing, trying to throw 18 million quid at a Barcelona player. Come on, mate. Well, one element of allowing the club to invest, perhaps a little more frivolously, will be cutting that wage bill. We're hearing that a few players who are out of contract will definitely be on their way out of the club as well. In just a moment, we'll be talking about who those are and whether they'll be missed. Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio on the night, of course, of the Europa League final. And James Jones of West Ham World just turned to me and said, the problem Arsenal have got is that if Hazard wants to win this game, he'll win this game. Now, many people believe it's going to be his last in a Chelsea shirt. You'd have thought he'll want to put on a show. James, are you confident that he's going to take this match by the scruff of the neck? Um, I'm not confident that he will. I think he's good enough to. Um, that Sari come out recently and said that he's found that he thinks that Hazard lack, you know, lacks something in training because he finds it too easy. Which, worry, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be like, okay, he's, he's performed well consistently for Chelsea, but that that would annoy me a little bit. It's like, why isn't he training 100% every week? Um, but you know, he, this is a guy that can turn on and win a football match on his own. If he wants to win it three 0 he'll win it three 0 Um. So I, th- I do think Arsenal will win this, um, but I think Hazard will have a say. I think that's inevitable. Lewis, what do you reckon? Yeah, I Danny, think... I'm sorry, Danny Lewis, <laughs> confusing. Yeah, I think that Hazard will definitely have his say because, you know, this is likely going to be his final ever Chelsea game and he's going to want to be remembered as a player who went out winning a European trophy, albeit the Europa League rather than Champions League, but he'll still You'd probably take it, see that you? as important, yeah. You would take it. Of course, Arsenal, not without stars of their own. They've got Aubameyang and Lacazette up front who love playing together. They've looked lethal this season, particularly in this competition. But the man behind them always divides opinion. Mesut Ertzil does get the start. He's on big wages. He doesn't always turn up. I will confess, I haven't noticed him at a single point in the game so far. Do you guys expect him to have an impact? No. I'm going to disagree. I'd say, yeah, I think he's he's got the technical ability to do it. Um, do you think he's got what James was suggesting Hazard has, of that desire to put on a show, to take a command of a situation? Um, I think, yeah, but it doesn't always come through because of his body language and different things like that. You know, he impacts a game in his own way. Um, By doing very little. Albeit 
running isn't a massive part of that. No, way. and that is a fair point. And it, it, you're spot on that it should be noted that actually a player doesn't have to be sprinting around to be doing things. You can be standing stock still and occupying three defenders if you're good enough. And also, the stats don't actually show that Ertzel is that lazy. He runs less than the average Arsenal player, but only about 600 yards less over 90 minutes. So he's hardly that lazy. One former Arsenal attacking midfielder has been turning out for West Ham this season. Similarly, dividing opinion in the form of Samin Nazari. It's been confirmed today that he will be leaving the club this summer as that short-term deal he was on comes to an end. He was on reported big wages, around 80 grand a week, if memory serves, and he only played six times. Was this a waste of money? I don't think it was a waste of money. I think, you know... At the time, we we needed to bring someone in to to be a little bit more creative in midfield, um, and you know Lanzini was just on his way back from injury, but we needed someone just to fill that hole until he was fully fit again. And I think I think Sami Nasri did that too. Uh, in effect, obviously his injuries didn't help, and you know Snodgrass had, uh, had to slot in in that more creative role in midfield a few times, which he did to a very good job. I think you know I was quite impressed with Snodgrass this year, but. Lanzini came back, and then even if Sami Nasri was fit, I think that Lanzini was that man that took that role. So I'm not surprised that they decided not to offer him a, an extended deal. Yeah, he pretty much fulfilled his purpose, you know, plugged the gap until Lanzini comes back in. You know, I don't have the stats of how many games since Nasri came in that neither him or Lanzini played, but I doubt it was that many. Mm. And, you know, he sort of... You know, fair enough, he did have injuries, but he sort of lasted long enough to make his own little impact. Talking of injuries, I think he'll be fit to continue, but Olivier Giroud just got absolutely clattered by Socrates. He left a bit in on him, nowhere near the ball, just stamped on his foot. The Frenchman went down. It's a Chelsea free kick in a dangerous position. Absolutely wasted. Swung slowly beyond the far post. Petacek not needing to move. David Luiz grins with a right smile after failing to get anywhere near it either. I touched on the Arsenal goalkeeper there, Petr Cech. There's, of course, been a lot of debate about whether he should have played tonight, whether Bernd Leno should perhaps have featured. In terms of West Ham's goalkeepers, Lucas Fabianski is fantastic. He's made the most saves in the Premier League this season. But Adrian has been a more than capable understudy. He's been first choice on occasion. We got confirmation he'll be leaving the club in the summer. Is that a shame? Yes, from a sentimental point of view. You know, he was really good for years, but I've kind of found that the last season or so, whenever he has been in goal, I've sort of, you know, had my heart in my throat whenever he's, you know, had the ball at his feet. He always seems to take way too long when he has it at his feet. Mm. He's getting shut down and you feel like he's going to end up having it blocked. And, you know, fair enough, he was a second choice, but I often didn't feel that secure when he was in goal. But, you know, you look back to, you know, the Everton game and, you know, the last season at Upton Park where he was really good. And, you know, you'll always carry those memories. But I think now is probably a good time for him to leave. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I love the man. There aren't many players in recent years that West Ham fans can generally say that, you know, that they're sad to see them go. Um, and, you know, will openly say that, you know, they'll be welcomed back with open arms. You know, if they were ever to return uh, as a visiting player or, or come back, you know, as a coach or whatever. I think Adrian's one of them, you know. Uh, the, from the moment he, he joined the club, 
sort of six years, six you know, five six years ago, you know, he he just warmed to the fans, celebrated every goal with the fans. I remember at Upton Park, he'd, you know, if we'd scored, he'd run over to our corner, yeah, and uh, slide on his knees, and you know, the, the the famous penalty against Everton in the FA Cup where he took his gloves off as he was running up to take the penalty, those sort of things, you know, they stay with you those memories, and and he was responsible for them, and we'll always love him, you know, he never okay, he made a few mistakes. But they all do. But in, they all do. As a goalkeeper, you know, expected to make mistakes. But you know, other than that, I would say that he never put put a foot wrong with the fans. You know, the fans fell in love with him very, very quickly. And I think that's very important at a club like West Ham that they can have that relationship with certain players. So it's sad to see him go. Um, it's sad that his last game at the club was was that four two defeat against Wimbledon in the FA Cup. Bang on one hundred and fifty appearances in all competitions. Um, I'll always love the man and you know, I wish him all the best. Mm. I think apart from the 4-2 against Wimbledon, that's exactly why I am happy to see him to go because you know, you'd hate to see him become this figure who just sits on the bench all the time for years and you know, potentially ends up becoming unhappy. You want to remember the guy that slid on his knees after taking his gloves off and taking the penalty and all yeah. those sort of things. Well, talking of penalties, I'm going to preface <laughs> what I'm about to say by saying I fully acknowledge that it's incredibly unprofessional as a broadcaster to shout ref, but Alexandra Lacazette has just been hauled down in the box by Kepper and nothing has been given. Arsenal should have had a penalty. They've looked very, very bright. They're pressing Arsenal, uh, they're pressing Chelsea very, very high. Chelsea looking shaky in possession at the back. Just a moment before that, uh, Granite Xhaka had unlocked that Chelsea defence with one superb ball to the overlapping Sead Kolasinac. It's looking bright for Arsenal, but trust me, this is exactly the kind of scenario that the Gunners can concede from. Updates, of course, for you throughout the show. Talking of people out the door of West Ham, I've calmed down a bit. I'd like to apologise <laughs> to tonight's referee, who I'm sure is doing his job to the best of his ability, even if he got that one staggeringly wrong. We're hearing that Andy Carroll could be out of the door as well. He's someone we've talked about a lot on the show. Affection, but it's the right time. It is the right time. Now, I think the right time probably was two years ago as well. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that it's ended this way. Andy Carroll's another player that, you know, deep down the fans have loved, um, which will surprise many. But I think, you know, it's practically many, many West Ham fans, are, you know, and they'll go, no, we do love Andy Carroll. It's just a shame we couldn't rely on Andy Carroll because I think he was, he was underrated. Um, if he was fit for a full season, I think he would have at least got you know double figures. He never got double figures in a single season. Yeah, moments of extreme brilliance, the bicycle kick. The bicycle the kick, yeah. I've got some great stats, by the way, on Andy Carroll. Come on, then. Yeah, going to blow your mind, Johnny. Going to blow your mind. We spoke about this earlier, didn't we, Danny? Yeah. And, and mental. Danny's written an article on westernworld.co.uk on this. and uh, Seven years at the club, including his year on loan from Liverpool. Um it signed in 2012. One seven fa- years? Seven years. Where did that go? Six on permanent, one on the loan. In that seven years, he spent 1,274 days injured. Right, That equates to three and a half years. So that's half of his West Ham spell we spent injured. It's like the amount of time at university I spent single. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So it means he's missed 151 games through injury. Probably more more if you include the suspensions. He's picked up a couple of red cards yeah. as well. Yeah, when you factor in his wages, he's got to go. Yeah, 142 appearances in all competitions. So therefore, he missed more games than he than he played. 34 goals, 17 assists. 
So that's 4.8 goals. Um, now 4.17 goals. A goal every 14, 4.17 appearances. Right. Not a terrible record. Yeah, but this is where you know, it gets a little bit better. A goal involvement, so that's goal or assist. Okay. Every 2.78 appearances. Now that really so isn't bad. For a target, man, that's not that's not bad. It's not bad so at everyone, all. So everyone will, will, will say negative things about Andy Carroll, but actually, when he was involved, he was involved and he was making making a difference. Mm. It's a shame it was, you know, you know once every three months. Mm. Quick update from the Europa League. Talking of involvement, and when we talk about involvement, like players like Andy Carroll, what we really mean is he's enormous and he puts himself about. Well, Andreas Christensen at the back for Chelsea is doing just that. He clearly thinks he's engaged in a wrestling match because he's barely left Lacazette alone since this game started. Still Arsenal nil, Chelsea nil. Arsenal possibly looking the more adventurous going forward, but Chelsea just have that feeling of a team who are waiting to spring forward. Updates throughout the show. Gents, our consensus on West Ham's potential exit seems to be Nasri, fine, fair enough, he's done a job. Adrian, we love and miss you, but fine, fair enough. And Andy Carroll, work on your fitness, but we love and miss you, fair enough. Do any of these players need replacing directly, or actually, is this a chance to take a freed-up wage bill and invest in different areas of the team? See, I'm not sure about Adrian, because obviously we've got Nathan Trott, and he's, you know, been in the England youth ranks. So I'd personally quite like to see him given a chance as second goalkeeper because, you know, realistically they play in some of the cup, cup competitions and that's about it really. And they learn. Is this young lad good enough? Well, that's the question. That's what you'll find out if you give him a chance. <laughs> Dangerous game. That's the problem, you know, and, and Danny's right. We don't. A lot of young players are questioned very early on. Oh, is he good enough to make the step up? Is he good enough? But you don't know until you give these players a chance. And that's mm. been a problem, not just at West Ham, but many other clubs in, in England and across Europe where they don't give the young players enough chance to prove that they're good enough. It's like what we were saying about earlier before the show about Josh Cullen, how yeah. he's gone down the leagues. You know, he just set up the goal that got Charlton into the... Uh, championship. Do you guys think he's good enough? Because I was really impressed by him this season for Charlton, but I've seen a lot of West Ham fans saying, he's good, he's not good enough. Well, yeah, I mean, I can't remember what loan spell it was, but we had a friendly against Juventus to open up the new stadium. Mm. And I personally thought Josh Cullen was brilliant. And, you know, he's playing against Juventus. It's not like he's playing against, you know, Barnett, who we've set up a nice little pre-season friendly with this event has played a strong team that day as well and you know he shone on that day and then i think it was like two days later he was sent out on loan surely you know you'll take that as a sign that you know maybe we should give him a chance so i just hope that they now seeing him do that in the playoff final actually give him a go I think, you know, he played a couple of cup games for us this season before he went back out on loan because we recalled him from Bradford, I believe. Yeah, he got, um, he got his tooth knocked out against Shrewsbury. Yeah, 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 and then, you know, I think he played he played in a Macclesfield game and I think he played in a couple of others as well this year and he's looked good. You know, he's, he's impressed. Okay, he's playing against lower league opposition, but he has looked good. Um, and I think he he's the he's the sort of player that deserves a crack at the first team in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, he he's never moaned. He's gone out on loan every year, despite impressing when he has had the opportunity in cup games and, and pre season. 
So it'd be nice to see Pellegrini give him a chance. Mm. Well, could it be time to give youth a chance or does the answer lie with relegated Huddersfield Town? Don't go anywhere. This is Love Sport. It's the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Danny Lewis of West Ham World on the night of an all-English Europa League final in Baku between Arsenal and Chelsea. It's still Arsenal nil, Chelsea nil, all to play for and updates throughout the show. Interestingly, gents, in an all-English final, we've got one English player on the pitch in the form of Ainsley Maitland-Niles of Arsenal. He is only featured as well because Hector Bellerin is injured. Do you think West Ham do a better job of flying the flag for England? Well, look at Declan Rice. Someone we'll be talking about in depth later in the show as well. Do do you think that top teams could take a leaf out of your book? Just I guess it's all relative, you know, they've they've got different pressures than we've got and a player has got to re- reach a higher level to be given more than one chance than they would at West Ham. It's like, you know, Grady Dean Garner, I really like him, but, you know, would he, if he was in Chelsea's academy, for example, would he have been given the run of games that he got at West Ham? Probably not. So Definitely I guess it, not. Exactly. So it's it's all kind of relative to the level that you're playing at, I guess. Granite Xhaka, by the way, for Arsenal definitely not an English player, but came very close to scoring in a Europa League final. He let fly from about 23 yards out, and that is not Ooh. even inches, it's inch away. It clipped the top of the bar on the way over. Looks like Ariza Balaga did have it covered, but it was quite some strike. Talking of Swiss central midfielders, West Ham have one of their very own in the form of Edmilson Fernandez. We're hearing he could be on his way out of the club to German club Mainz in an 8 million quid deal. Sad to see him go? I wouldn't go as far as say sad to see him go. I think he's been a player that um, hasn't done anything wrong, I don't think. I've never, I've never, I don't recall seeing him have a bad game for us. But at the same time, I don't recall seeing him have an outstanding game for us. I think the only game that you know he did play very well in was the Chelsea Chelsea Cup game where he scored uh, when, when he was playing at wing back. Yeah, and he cut in and, and finished in the bottom corner. We won that game. And um, but other than that, you know, he's come off the bench. He's he's done an okay job. He's you know he he hasn't let anyone down. I don't think. But I think it says a lot that he's been allowed to go on loan under three different managers and Billich, Moyes, and, and Pellegrini and. Um, that kind of suggests that you know, in training he doesn't do enough or he doesn't convince the managers that he's good enough to play consistently at, at, at this level. Yeah, I think with the loans, I think you can say that it, you know, it says something that he was allowed to go on loan, but I also think it says something that his last loan was to Fiorentina, which is no bad loan by... Relegated Fiorentina this season. Yeah, well, it's still, you know playing with the likes of Federico Chiesa and highly highly like rated that. so you know it's not it's not the worst loan to have playing in the top level of Italian football albeit they got relegated you know we were just talking about Cullen who has been on loan in the lower leagues in England so you know personally you know I haven't been watching him in Serie A and seeing how he's been doing for Fiorentina but from what I've actually seen of him you know, I think that he's good enough to be in our team. You know, mm. I as a backup. Yeah, of course, yeah. as a backup. You, there's no way he's starting every week, but 
you know, maybe you could get rid of someone like Pedro Obiang because you'd probably get more for him as well. Mm, that's yeah, an interesting true. point. Quick breaking news flash into the studio. Meza Ertzel's just won a header. More news as we get it. But <laughs> I was absolutely staggered when that happened. You've also been linked with a defender, Alaves centre-half Guillermo Maripan, who says he'd like to play in the Premier League. Have you seen anything of him? This is the first I've heard of this link. What would he bring? No one knows. Well, Dan, I've never Dan, Danny's him, done his research, today. but oh. I was looking him up on the internet. And one thing that you know we've got to look at our centre backs now with Pellegrini in charge is that they've got to be able to play with the ball at their feet because we want to play football now. And it did say that one of his weaknesses was his passing, but it also said that he, one of his main strengths was dribbling, which I found quite weird for a centre back. <laughs> So <laughs> so it would be really interesting to see how he got on in a footballing team purely because he's going to dribble his way out of the back rather than pass it. So mm. it could be pretty fun. I don't know. I, th- I think I don't see anything in this link, if I'm honest. Um, I, you know, I thought it was worth mentioning because, you know, it's a, it's another transfer story and it's a player that we've been linked with. But I don't see us going for this because... Centre-half isn't where you've got problems. Well, we bought two centre-halves last, last year, both of which have impressed, one of which has been outstanding in Issa Diop. Um, and we've got both. A, yeah, and we've got Ogbonna in, in, in backup. Declan Rice can play there as cover. Um, That's not a position that we that we need to... That, that we need to strengthen and so I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the the first and last time we hear of Guillermo Mar- Maripan Well all the best to him I'm sure he's a lovely guy and a very good centre half Also seeing West Ham linked with players we're rather more familiar with certainly in the case of Huddersfield Town's Australian midfielder Aaron Moy I for one think this would be a really good signing but James you're not convinced I'm not no I, I just I know He's been good in the Premier League for Huddersfield, but and I know he had his injury problems last year. But is it a midfield player that we want in terms of the skill set that he can bring? I think we've got the players that can do that. Um, he's more of an attacking player, and you know we've got those attacking midfielders. I think we we need someone that can help cover De- Declan Rice defensively than going forward. I'd personally really like to see him uh, come to West Ham. I think. You know, having Declan Rice would give him the license to go and do what he does best, and we've, you know, we've seen glimpses at Huddersfield of just what he's capable of, but we haven't perhaps seen it on a sustained level because of the fact that he is in a struggling team. So if you put him with better players, then he's going to have more of an influence on the game, and I think he could personally be really good. Don't get me wrong. I think you know if we were to sign him, I wouldn't be livid about it. I'd be quite you know okay. It's an okay signing, but I think he's a really good player. He James. is a he is a really good player. I just I I feel that it'd be really it would have been a really good signing maybe eighteen months ago when you know we were struggling a little bit. We needed a little bit more creativity there. But I think you know with uh, Lanzini back fit, you know I think he'll be really good next season. Uh, Snodgrass can play a role. They pro- I know he's getting on a little bit, but he proved last year that he can play a role. Um, I just don't know whether it's a position that we really need to invest heavily in. I know apparently it only costs 15 million quid, which, but then but then you look at it on the other side and go, we've only got 40 million quid to spend this summer. So do we need to spend 15 million quid on a player that we don't particularly need? 
No, uh, it's, and it's, and we've already got a penalty taker in Mark Nywell. We don't need another one. Yeah, and a, and a future England international as well. So no need to mess around with this Australian nonsense. There was a sharp intake of breath into the presenter's microphone a moment ago. I'm not sure if you caught it. It's because Emerson had a golden chance to put Chelsea 1-0 up in that Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal in Baku. Found himself in acres of space on the left-hand side of Arsenal's box. And a lot has been made of Unai Emery's decision to start Petr Cech in place of Bernd Leno. Well, it was the first test for the veteran Czech international, of course, playing in his last game, and he was more than equal to it. A fantastic save, beating the ball away, and Ainsley Maitland-Niles was on hand to clean up for the Gunners after what has to be said has been a fairly wobbly couple of minutes or so. Updates for you throughout the show from Baku, and coming up, why won't the press leave Declan Rice alone? This is Love Sport. You're listening to Johnny Burrow here on Love Sport Radio for the West Ham fan show with the guys from West Ham World. And I've just been soundly told off by James Jones of West Ham World because <laughs> I was complaining about Arsenal Football Club, who for my sins I nominally support. I was saying, listen, not an interesting team to support. Fifth, fourth, does it really matter? I would find it more interesting to be in a relegation dogfight. Speaking, of course, from that position of privilege of supporting a top club. James, you have no time for that at all. No, you, you, you'd rather be in the Europa League final than be involved in a relegation battle, uh, particularly a relegation battle that you end up losing. Um, I think West Ham fans would buy, buy any any uh, Arsenal fans and of just for a chance to play in the Europa League group stages because we can't even get faster qualifiers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think you'd give or take, I think you'd, you'd rather be where you are now than be where we've been. Well, consider myself well and truly put in my place. Let's move on and move on to Declan Rice, who's once once again been asked by his future by the press. Various people are spinning his answers and saying he's left the the door open, I should say, for a move to Manchester United. Is that what he said? No. He's he's been asked about um, his season... Uh, and his rise to to where he's got to now, and um, you know he said he's had a great season, and you know he's looking forward to the future, Be, due to the links that he's had with United in recent weeks. I think for for some journalists that that means that he's he's he's, he's left the door open for a potential move away. Um, I get you know I'm in this game, you know I get that journalists and and publications want to try and get as many people reading the story as possible, so therefore they're going to twist words. Um, I saw one report earlier that said that he'd he'd warned West Ham that they need to be in the Champions League for him to stay when all he did was answer a question when they asked him about Frankie de Jong potentially going to uh, Barcelona he's gone to Barca going to Barcelona and him being a young defensive midfielder like Declan Rice what do you think about that and he's gone well, you know, good luck to him. He's a good player and he's playing for the Champions League. If you don't want to play in the Champions League, what's the point? Yeah, and also, as a West Ham fan, could you reasonably... I mean, if if Barcelona were to come knocking for Declan Rice and Declan Rice said, sorry, lads, I really want to go to Barcelona, yeah, yeah. could you begrudge him that? Obviously not. Of course not. Obviously not. But for, for the publication in question to, to turn around and go... Who was oh, it, just out of interest? Oh, I can't remember now. Um, yeah. It was quite a big one, though. It was it was a it was a well known well known name. Um, they've gone they've gone. Oh, he's fired a warning to West Ham about being in the Champions League, and it's like no, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Yeah, it's like, and you know, 
West Ham fans aren't that naive to think that he's never going to leave. When you've got a player of that quality, they're bound to end up at a Champions League club at some point or another in their career. It's just all about the way that they go about leaving. Yeah. You know, I like to think that Declan Rice wouldn't be the sort of player that would think, I want to leave West Ham, I'm not going to train or I'm going to kick up this fuss in the media or something like that. I personally think that he'd go about things the right way and you can even see that from you know the way that he went to England on the international stage and things like that even though he got ridiculed for doing that he still went about it in the right way so I think that's very important Mm, absolutely I nearly just was mistaken and thought it was 2013 because we came very, very close to seeing Olivier Giroud score past Petr Cech. But it would, of course, have been Olivier Giroud of Chelsea scoring past Petr Cech of Arsenal. Cech, for all of the drama around his selection, is showing so far, and I'm going to jinx this, that Emery made absolutely the right decision in picking him. The first save to deny Chelsea was a good one. The second there from Giroud was absolutely spectacular and fair play to the man because if the rumours are true and he is set to return to Chelsea this summer in the capacity of a director of football, then he's doing a very good job of hiding his colours tonight, doing a fantastic job in net for Arsenal. Still Arsenal nil, Chelsea nil in Baku. James, on the Declan Rice front, are you of the opinion that he is a superstar, that he's going to become one of the world's finest footballers? I think it's difficult to say whether he's going to become the, one of the world's finest footballers. Um, I think it's telling that, you know, in interviews with the press, um, they feel the need to ask him about... Uh, Barcelona. Fe- fe- fellow, you know, fellow professionals that have signed for, for clubs like Barcelona and gone, what do you think about that? Because that tells me that you know these these people think that he's good enough to be spoken in the same breath as like Sir Frankie De Jong, and um, it worries me a little bit that you know we might see him leave within the next year to eighteen months as a result of his his rapid rise, particularly if there's a great summer of England in the Nations League. Um, but I think you know he's doing all the right things on and off the pitch. You now the way he's conducted himself off the pitch, I think, has been you know faultless. I think he's been he's been brilliant. Um, very, very mature for his age uh, on that front, and on on the pitch, he's been consistently superb. He's going the right way. It's just whether you know whether we can keep hold of him because you know the longer we keep hold of him, the better chance we've got of improving as a football club and, and pushing on. Yeah, and you know he's he's an England international when he's just out of his team uh, teens, and there was quite a few months ago before Gundogan went into centre midfield into the holding role for Man City and there was loads of debate about who'd replace Fernandinho and Declan Rice was coming up in that question and I think, you know, there's a reason behind that. You have to be a quality player to be put in that light and have that question asked of you because that Mm. is a very big role to play for a very, very good team. So he is getting a lot of plaudits and I think all of them are thoroughly deserved Mm. hopefully he stays at West Ham for some years to come but you suspect he won't be at West Ham forever either way it's looking like he will be at the London Stadium next year what kind of kits he going to be playing in (laughs) this is love sport 
You're listening to the West Ham Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow and James Jones and Danny Lewis of West Ham World. A quick score update for you from Baku in this all-English Europa League final between Chelsea and Arsenal. Still Chelsea nil, Arsenal nil, anybody's game. Arsenal had the better start to the half. Chelsea in the last quarter of an hour or so really coming into the game. They've tested Petr Cech a couple of times, but he has been equal to their advances. But it's time to talk about fashion. Fashion and clothing, something we don't cover very often on this show. We're not bothered about double denim or other fashion faux pas, but we are bothered about potential West Ham kit leaks. And I hear we could have news emerging of next season's strip. Yeah, we've seen a couple of leaks. Um, but the home run will need, need, to be, need to grow on me a little bit. Um, what, you're going to buy a small and then... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boom, boom. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks... It, it's a nod to, to a Cup Winners' Cup kit, I believe. Um, from 1976, I was looking back for the history, and it does look like it's is won. the last yeah. time you won something, James? No, we did, I don't think we actually won that final, which is very weird. Uh, we won the Cup Winners' Cup in 64. Cup? No, it wasn't even that one either. Um, Player final 2012 was the last Cup we won. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll shut up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the away one is uh, specifically beautiful. So talk to me about why it's so good, because obviously radio is not thought of as a visual medium, but paint a picture for the listeners at home. Well, I mean, just like, just think of the um, the 1980 FA Cup final shirt without the collar, but it's white with the claret and blue slight trim around the sleeves and the collar. Ooh, that does sound um, nice. And it's just plain white, white uh, shorts, white socks... Um, very, very lovely to look at. West Ham doing their finest Real Madrid imitation. Yeah, a little bit. I think. I think just. I just. I think Umbro have done a really, really good job. I mean, there was rumours that we were going to lose Umbro. Um, yeah. We were going to go to Nike. That apparently that all fell through, and they mean that we're extending the deal with Umbro. Would you rather have Umbro or Nike? Well, at the moment, I'd rather have Umbro. I think they've made yeah. some wonderful kits over the last couple of years. I don't think they get the credit that they deserve as a as a manufacturer. Um, and they've, you know, they've really done us proud um, as as West Ham and, and West Ham fans in terms of the kits they produced. Yeah, it's the little details of it that really make it special. I think you know they could have easily just made it quite plain with the claret and white, but you know they've the detail is really nice with the collar, well, the neck and the edge of the sleeves and different things like that so I think it's really nice personally mm, wonderful stuff A quick update for you from Baku we're at half time Chelsea nil, Arsenal nil. who will break the deadlock get in touch 0208 70 20 558 is the number to call and remember you can WhatsApp me as well just text in on that same number 0208 70 20 558 remember to include your name with your point of view so I can read it out on air just add Love Sport as a contact and drop us a message in terms of West Ham's great kits in the past 10 years what are your favourites? Well, you know, I'm quite... I'm not the oldest of fans, but I personally like the retro ones. Um, I don't know what it is, but I I really like the Dr. Martins one. Maybe that's because they had them sort of kits when I first became a fan, and, you know, it sort of invokes memories of when I first started going. So they're probably 
my favourite ones of recent times. But apart from that, you know, I I wear the ones that go back to the time when Bobby Moore was playing. I'd rather wear that than the one of the last season or the one before. James, do you love a retro shirt as well? It's all I wear these days. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't buy any of the new shirts. Uh, if I'm going to wear colours, it'll be one of the retro you wouldn't kits. even get this away kit you're so keen on? It, it, it does look, it's very tempting. <laughs> very tempting, Johnny. But no, I, my, my favourite kit, apart from this season's, is, is probably the one, the last season, Upton Park. It's a real classic looking, you know, traditional West Ham uh, claret with sky blue sleeves, white shorts, white uh, claret socks, you know, just classic. Um, one of my favourites in recent years. Um, the one we just had pre season just gone, I quite like the, the all claret look. Mm. Um, the, the, the difference this year is that they've gone for claret home shorts rather than white home shorts, which some fans are a little bit annoyed about. Um, you know, the general feeling is that it should be white home shorts, but we've had sky blue home shorts, you know, in recent, in, you know, as, as early as to, um, recent as 2015. So it's not uh, there's not a strict rule book, but I think you know a lot of fans are quite sentimental and they they like tradition, particularly given the fact we've had a lot of our tradition. Pulled away from us and, and robbed from us in recent years. Yeah, with the loss of the stadium, do you think that's making you cling to the fundamentals of the kit more closely than you perhaps otherwise would do? Yeah, I mean, I personally wore retro kits even when we were at Upton Park, and I think another point with enjoying a retro kit more is the fact that nowadays, you know, a new kit is brought in every year. I'm pretty sure you used to be able to have them for like two years or three years even. And, mm they wouldn't change whereas now you know i'll buy my little nephew a kit for his birthday or something and by the time that it's next season that's out of date whereas with the retro kit the whole charm is that it's from years gone by and, and, and from a from a brilliant season as well yeah yeah so there's that longevity with retro kits that you don't necessarily get with a new one so do you think that if you wore last year's kit, there'd be people looking at you thinking, why is he wearing last year's kit? Whereas if you wear a kit from 1972, everyone will look at you thinking, oh, lovely, a shirt from 1972. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't judge you for wearing a kit from last season, but it's just the fact that... I I'm think not... they look nicer, don't they? Yeah. I think, you know, uh, particularly if you're, if you're a little bit older, um, I find, I, I, I mean... Apologies if I'm going to offend anyone, but I find it very weird, you know, anyone, you know, fully grown men wearing the latest shirt with a player's name on the back going to a game. I find that a little bit, a little bit weird. Like, wear the retro shirt, you could wear that quite casually. But um, I'm not a fan of sort of going, buying, buying the latest shirt, getting Noble on the back, uh, as much as I love the man. What about an England shirt with Noble on the back? Uh, well... He has um, to play for him first. He's got, yeah, uh, an England under twenty one shirt with Noble on the back with the captain's <laughs> armband. Um, just to remind people of how great it was at that level. But um, no, I think no, no one turns their nose up at you know someone wearing last season's shirt. Um, but you know it's a matter of preference, and you know as you said, given the the fact we've lost the stadium, a lot of tradition, uh, a lot of fans are clinging on to the traditional aspects of the club because it's not just the stadium we lost; we lost the traditional crest as well when we moved stadiums. So. A lot of fans are just clinging on to that last bit of West Ham United that they feel that they've lost because, you know, I'm not as dramatic as that. You know, I still feel that we're still West Ham United. It's still the club that I fell in love with all those years ago. It's just changed a little bit. Do you think the kit that the players play in has any bearing at all in terms of how they perform on the pitch? 
probably not. Although I did, someone did tell me that apparently uh, red and white stripes have got really uh, teams with red and white stripes. Psychological aspect to the colour red. But at Wembley, apparently teams with red and white stripes just uh, have a really terrible record at Wembley. Sunderland. Sunderland. Apparently, Sunderland. The latest. They, they didn't wear red and white stripes at the weekend, but they still lost. <laughs> um, and and I think they've gone eight games without winning at Wembley. So maybe there is something in it. Mm. Um, I mean, look at Vincent Tan at Cardiff. He wanted to change the team to red just because he thought red was a lucky colour. Yeah. He's a weird bloke. He's got a thing. <laughs> I can't remember. He really is, though. I can't remember which number it is. He's got a thing about. It might be the number eight or the number 18. But there is a number where if a player wears that shirt, that number on the back of their shirt, he'll sign them because he thinks it's good he, fortune. Yeah, he thinks birthdays or something as baffling. well. And, Completely um, baffling. He, he once moaned that, um, moaned that the manager said I'd sell the goalkeeper, he's not scoring enough. So um, I think that says all, all we need So to when, when you complain about your owners, perhaps just, just <laughs> yeah, think, true. careful yeah, what yeah, you wish true. for. In terms of the close season, what are we hoping for? What, what is the bare minimum that would leave you satisfied as West Ham fans? Uh, I think first and foremost, we have to match what we've done this season. And I'd also like a cup run because every season I want a cup run and then we go and lose against Wimbledon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, cup run is top of my wish list and a decent finish in the league, which is around 10th or better. OK, and James, how about you? I think... Improvement. I think it all it all rests on what we do this summer, and I think in terms of this summer, I'd like to see us have a little bit of ambition. And we showed it last year with a lot of investments and brilliant players brought in. But we need to actually show proper ambition, not you know just you know try and wheel and deal our way through the market. So when you say proper ambition, James, is what you mean spending a lot of money? No, I don't. I don't think you need to spend a lot. I know that the as I said before, um, the market is inflated. The, the, the transfer window is a little bit crazy, and you know, particularly if you're an English club with all the money, you know, uh, overseas clubs see that as a, as a way of upping their, you know, their asking price a little bit. But you know, going in for Andre Gomez, which for me is ambition, showing an interest in him, trying to buy him, but offering 18 million quid isn't ambition. Yeah, if you're going to go in for him, go in, go for in him. for him. You know, and I don't buy the fact that we've only got 40 million quid to spend. Um, we're in the Premier League. We've got more than 40 million pounds to spend on transfers. We've got much more than that. Um, so it just it, it, it's, it's just a strange one for me but you know I, I, if we can finish in the top 10 again next year I'll be happy yeah perhaps it's a case of just going for it in the transfer market you don't need to spend big but you're not going to get players for way under their transfer value perhaps we'll have a signing to talk about next week you'll have to join us next time on the West Ham Fan Show Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Sports Social Podcast Network.